This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Chats with Susan Burrell. And that's me. I help strong, capable women who have pockets of self-doubt access their inner wisdom and clarify their own truth. Chats with Susan Burrell is where we have rich conversations about empowerment, radiating your brilliance out into the world, and loving yourself more than you ever have before. And who doesn't want that? So let's get started. So today I want to welcome a new friend of mine, somebody I've just fallen in love with, and our our conversations often get pretty deep and, and very rich, and it's kind of fun because... Um, What this woman does is she's a financial planner. So when I say rich, it's kind of tongue in cheek. So I want to welcome Chris Lapidus. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Susan. Oh, you know, okay, see, I got chills. This happens to me a lot. I just want to tell everybody what a gift you are, Chris. um, Just in our short time of knowing each other, there's just something uh, remarkable and and kind of... um, magical but without any nonsense and which i appreciate because i'm like a no-nonsense person i like to joke but yes. no nonsense and you're like yes, so am i yeah. yes i am yeah and and so um we've had prior conversations and the last conversation that inspired me was you were talking well first of all tell everybody what your passion is because you work with a lot of women as well I do. I do. And my, and my passion is to empower women to become masters of their own financial destiny. Okay. So let's start there because man, oh man, if I had met you uh, mm-hmm, a couple decades ago, cause I'm of that age now, yikes. Um, <laughs> if I had met right. you in my twenties, I, my life right. would have taken a whole different direction because I would have been financially empowered. I mean, in my 20s, I was looking at, uh, I was, well, I was pursuing an acting career. So when I didn't have a gig, I was on unemployment, right? And then right. what do I, so living very close to the, the edge financially. And, you know, go, I remember going in and buying groceries and breaking into a sweat when I wrote a check because I knew there was no money, you know? Right. <laughs> right? And, well, yes. And, and, you know, it, it's interesting because millennials today, um, you know, they're in a, a little bit of a different situation. You know, my, I've taken on another passion, and that is to work with millennials because my children are millennials. And I have this really strong desire and strong feeling to help them while they're still young. And what's interesting is that in, in general, they want to be helped, but at the same time, you know, they want to live life. You know, they're mm-hmm. full of life, they're full of energy, um, and they want to go out and have a great time. And it, sometimes, you know, getting the message across that you can do both. You know, you can plan for your financial future and have a good time at the same time. And sometimes I find, you know, they, they think it has to be all one or nothing. Yeah, the all or nothing thing. That right there, I just want to tap on that. Boy, is that an old paradigm that doesn't work anymore. You got to give all or nothing. And, and you're talking about encouraging them to also have their life the way they want it in terms of fun and playtime and adventures. 
Exactly. You know, the bottom line in, in all of this is that, you know, people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. And if you don't plan, you're probably going to fail. And it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, wherever you are, it's important that you have a plan. And, you know, it really holds true, you know, with millennials, you know, getting them started on the right foot. And it's really a question of planning it, looking at it and looking at their lives and understanding that they can have a lot and, you know, they don't have to give up one for the other. Yeah, man, I really, I wish I had known you when I was in my 20s because... (laughs) Because what I heard in my 20s was, and, and I got to say, Chris, this is really sad. Oh, my God. I remember mastering my checkbook, which meant I balanced it to the penny. And right. I was thrilled. And I think I was 26 when I did that, finally. Because before I couldn't, I didn't, I, I, my math brain just didn't handle it. And, and what I heard about a plan is you have to budget, which meant to me, that I couldn't do anything. If you only have right. a small amount of money, then how, where's the fun if I have to budget it for food and rent and, you know, so my credit card, I had one. They, you know, college, they encourage you to get a credit card, which is just, I think, ridiculous. But anyway, now. It is, it is ridiculous. Because they're encouraging you to get debt. And boy, did I have debt in, in my mid-20s too. Right. You know, it, it's it's interesting because because of credit cards, you know, people go and spend money that they, they that they don't have. Mm-hmm. They don't have it, but they figure, you know what? I'll put it on the credit card and I'll think about it later. And you know, you look at some. I look at some of these credit card balances that that you know some of these these millennials have, and what's amazing is, you know, they don't even know what the interest rate is on some of those credit cards. Oh God. Yeah. They, they don't even realize that Mm -hmm. on some of them, you know, they're paying 22%, 26%. And you know, what they're doing is they're in this vicious circle because, you know, they pay the minimum. So they're paying off the interest, but they're not getting into the principal at all. And it's, and so the next month they add on more, they add on more and you know, Mm -hmm. then they find themselves in a deep hole. Mm -hmm. That happened to me. And then, oh, oh my God, Chris, you, you're going to, I know you're just going to shake your head. And then because I was in debt on my one credit card, credit card company, I became, I was the chum in the water that the sharks wanted, you know, so here's another credit card, mm-hmm. at a lower interest rate and transfer this. And so it, it and right. in my forties, I had with my ex-husband together, we had 10 credit cards. Right. With different you know, and, interests, and I kept changing, <laughs> you know, transfer one to another that had a low interest, and we were never paying right. off the principal. We were just paying the, the monthly thing. Right. You know, I, for me, you know, I, I don't use the word, you know, have a budget, because that just has all of these, you know, negative things. People are budget. I don't want a budget. So I, I look at it as we're going to go through your cash flow. We're going to see how much money comes into your, into your life every month and how much goes out. You know, and, and, you know, a lot of this is, you know, sometimes you choose words that are easier for people to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I find very often when I sit with some of these millennials and I do this cash flow summary, you know, I'll say to them, you know, they'll, they'll say to me, well, Chris, you know, I live paycheck to paycheck. I don't have money to save. 
Because I believe that, you know, people today do their cash flow backwards. So um, what do I mean? All right. If I were going to ask you, Susan, what is your greatest asset? What would you tell me? Oh, currently is my house. That's a wonderful asset, but no, it's you and your ability to earn a living. Oh, I'm so excited that I'm my biggest asset. Yay. It is, right. It is you and your ability to earn a living. Okay. Does that make sense? Because without that, you wouldn't have a house. You wouldn't have a business. You wouldn't have a car. You wouldn't, you know, there's nothing you would have unless, you know, it's you. I mean, you are the main asset in your life. Oh my God. That just turned my brain around, Chris. You just saying that. Well, you know, it's interesting because people will very often say their house. They'll tell me their family. And I even once had a gentleman tell me his boat. And I said, well, that's very nice. I'm very glad you have a boat, sir. But that is not your greatest asset. Um, you know, so, when, so people today, when they get their paychecks, do they pay themselves first? No. 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 What do they do? They go out, they'll have a good time, then they'll pay their bills, and if there's any money left, they save. That's why I say they do it reverse. It should be reversed. When you get your paycheck, pay yourself first. If you are your greatest asset, pay yourself first. Then pay your bills, and then when there's money left, you can go out and have a good time and not worry about it, have no stress about it, don't feel guilty about it. Because you have spent your money in the correct order. Does that make sense? It, it makes a ton of sense. It, it's like a, a commonsensical yes. And um, uh, how much do you encourage people to pay themselves? Because, you know, like a percentage well, of your paycheck? Yes. The, the, the ideal, you know, and again, we're talking ideal, is when I work with my clients, I tell them, the minimum is 10% of your gross income and what you're trying to achieve as you go through your life and make more money and more money is 20%. So the goal is to save between 10 and 20% of your gross income. Okay. 10 now, to you know, there are, there are people that can't, you know, I totally understand some of these millennials, you know, are freelancers. They, they, you know, they don't know what paychecks they're going to get every month. So my thing to them is, I bet you can save $5 a week. I bet you can save $10 a week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you have to break it up. You have to break it up into little pieces sometimes because it's, it's too overwhelming to think oh, 10% or 20%. Oh, my God, I can't do that. But, you know, you start to break it down, like I said, into, into smaller chunks, and it's much easier to, to accept, to handle, and then finally to do. So let, let's talk about this, because um, uh, there's another piece to this, Chris, of why people have a hard time uh, um, saving, uh, mm-hmm. because there, there's a self-worth or feeling underneath that, well, I really can't save that much money because I'm not really, it's not a conscious thought, right? It's like, oh, I, I shouldn't save all that money. I'm keeping that money for myself. And I really, you know, really, I need to use that for other things or, you know what I mean? It's so how do you deal with the people that have a low value of themselves as their of themselves? Yeah. yeah. You know, and that, yeah. And that's where, you know, what comes into play is doing it one step at a time, you know, taking taking little parts of it and dealing with 
each small one as you go along. And, it, you know, it's, okay, if you are your greatest asset, then, you know, let's pay you. Well, if I pay me, does that mean I can't spend it? No. But, you know, the number one thing that people need to have, and, they, and some people don't even have it, are emergency savings. Mm. You know, what would, what would happen to someone if they got into an accident and couldn't work? What would right. they do? I mean, you know, I, so I tell them, I, I say, visualize the picture. You got into a car accident. You now can't do your job. Do you have a savings account? No. So how do you live? What do you do? You know, sometimes when people have this, you know, low self-esteem of themselves or think, you know what, I really can't do that, you sometimes have to take graphic pictures and, you know, and, and have them visualize things that can happen if they don't do what is best for them, if they don't, for example, spend their money in the right order. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you, go ahead. Well, uh, because part of, so, so part of the, uh, what you just said is save in case there's a future uh, disaster, basically, is what I heard. Save in case and, right. and pay yourself in case something bad happens. But what about just paying yourself because you are your greatest asset? Pay, like you said, and I know this is so for lots of women, um, you know, especially women uh-huh. that have chosen to be in the home and care right. to the kids and all that stuff, soccer moms. That the idea of pay, that they're an asset, while we feel that in our bones and our gut, the being the paying you, paying a housewife because she is an asset, is is mind-boggling for many women. They don't, you know, and, and when it, women it start is. to go through divorce and they are devalued in the court systems because they didn't quote unquote have a job. Are you employable? Right. This was my experience. Um, right. That then that's even more devaluing. So to encourage ha- encourage somebody to pay themselves just because they're valuable is huge. What it is huge, you know. And and you know, a way to look at it is: gee, do you want to enjoy your life? The answer would be yes. So, do you want to travel? Most people, when I talk to them, and I go because you know I spend a lot of time going through what their hopes and wishes are. Because, you know, with millennials, it's like, you know, where, where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Um, what, what are we planning for? You know, that almost becomes more important than the money. You mm-hmm. know, what direction are we going in? And, you know, for women, it's, what's important is for, for them to understand that this money that they're saving, if it's not for, you know, not only for emergency, but it's for them to be able to go out and do things that they want to do for them. Mm-hmm. to go out and have that massage or to go out and, you know, have the pedicure, um, to go to the movies, to have dinner with their friends. I mean, that's, you know, that's the reason too for having, you know, this money that you save. It is for you. It is not just to help you um, in an emergency or when things are difficult, but it's also there because you deserve it. Well, you know, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I, I was talking to a millennial client um, and, and she was saying, you know, I don't need a lot of money. I said, well, what does that, what does that mean to you? She goes, oh, I have right. enough, you know, she's just 
had quit her job. She's thinking about what the next thing is. She has enough to pay her rent for a few months, that kind of thing. And I said, well, okay, so right now you think you have enough, but what happens if you um, decide you want to move? Do you have money to, to get into a bigger, better apartment or house? And she's looked at me funny. I said, well, then you don't really have enough right now, you know, enough to sustain you in a small space. But what if you want a larger uh, space of existence? Like what if you get married? What if you have kids? Where's, you know, you're going to need more money saved or more money coming into you in order for you to have your life continue to grow. Otherwise, if you say I have enough and it's very small, but that's okay. It, it just keeps you small energetically. Right. Well, you know, that, that's a great point. You know, that whole what if. Mm-hmm. And it's important to bring that up. You know, even when, you know, when I work with the millennials, it's really, okay, what, what if you want to buy a house? You know, what if you want to take that trip that you've been, you know, that's been on your bucket list? Um, you know, what if you want to um, donate money to a charity? Where is that going to come from? You know, so that's why, you know, I find that when I work with, with these millennials, it's, it's, it's very important to, to have them picture things. Oh, yeah. To have them try and see them. Because, you know, words are words. You know, people can listen, they can tune out, they can not listen. Or, you know, they're engaged. It, it could go either way. But sometimes when you describe something with a picture or have them visualize something, it really makes a difference. It, it you know, has them say, oh, well, you know, I, I never looked at it that way. Or, uh, you, know, that's, you know, that's a great perspective. Um, you know, or, you know, when I, you know, especially in, in millennials, you know, talking about protecting themselves and stuff, they don't, they believe that nothing is ever going to happen to them. Well, yeah, it's that, that age frame that age frame, they believe that nothing will ever happen to them, you know, and I've seen things that happen. And, you know, for me, it's very important to be careful, you know, not to scare people, but it's, it's to put, you know, a little bit of, of fright in them, I guess, to understand that obviously not everything is in our control Mm -hmm. and things happen in life that we can't control. And, you know, that's a lot of what I do is I try and help people plan for the expected, but also for the unexpected. It's important to plan for the unexpected. And that's difficult for people to wrap around their heads sometimes. Yeah. But that's, you know, but that's, you know, take a look at iPhones, for example. All right. Um, Somebody, you you were planning in your 20s. Did you plan for an iPhone? No, they didn't even exist. Right. So, so it's important because there are things that are going to come out, things that are going to be discovered, things that are going to come out onto the market that we are all going to want to have. And where is that money going to come from? Right. Right. Where does that money come from? So that's part of planning for the unexpected. You know, we, we can plan for retirement. We could plan for college for kids. We could plan to buy a house. But there are things that happen that, you know, we don't know to plan for because we don't know what they're going to be. And that's where, you know, I, I really work with people helping them plan for the unexpected as well so, as the expected. So, Chris, let me ask you another question. I'm just getting, I'm just picking your brain about my clients now. <laughs> sure. So, sure. I have go ahead. client who's, um, they have two kids under the age of six and they're coming to me for, for counseling. And 
because the husband is the one that's earning the paycheck currently, the, the stronger paycheck, right. put it that way. Right. The wife is certainly mm -hmm. earning some money. And so he, at his oldest is six, he is all about, oh my God, I need to put money away for their college right now. I need to right. do this right now. Mm -hmm. And yet the, the, the income is so, so what he does. So, okay. So this is a, this is somebody who thinks in black and white and um, I think, and he can't find those gradations of, of gray in the middle that will allow their lives to flourish and be fun. And, you know, he, right. he's a pilot and he confessed to me, well, I really want my own plane. And, but I can't afford that because I have to save for college. And I'm like, who told you that? Who told you that? Because that's a, that's a story you're making up. I you think know, he, it, he could, he could, you know, it's interesting. It I just, yeah, I just had a, a conversation with a client yesterday morning about saving for college, you know, and I very often come across people that definitely want to save for college because they feel that that's something they owe their children. And one of my first questions after they say that to me is, well, okay, have you saved any money for retirement? And very often they'll say no or very little. So my question to them is, well, look at it this way. Your child can apply for scholarships, can apply for loans, can apply for grants to get them through college. You, when you're ready to retire, can you apply for a scholarship? Can you apply, apply for a loan? Can you get a grant? No. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, to, to sacrifice or to... to allocate all of your money to a child's education at the expense of yourself doesn't make sense because at that point, then you might have to depend on your children. Yeah. And most parents say, well, I don't want to depend on my children. I said, well, if you know, if you're <laughs> going to put them through college and you're not saving any money for retirement, I don't see how, I don't see what else you can do. Wow. That's and amazing. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, kids have to understand, you know, that they can go to a state school, you know, they can, they can, if they want to go to a, a college and, you know, maybe parents can fund some of it, but parents need to understand that funding education for their children cannot be at the total expense of their not taking care of themselves later on. Well, and I'm noticing, I have another uh, client who, uh, kind of uses that now that, well, I paid for your college. I've saved for your, your uh, master's degree, you know, uh, right. That that's my puppy guys. Hold on. Uh, all right. So what I was just saying is that I have another client who's um, kind of not, not, I don't think it's conscious. I think it's an old paradigm again of, well, I took care of you and a, you either you need to pay me back or you need to, um, uh, take care of me in my age dumb, you know, and, and that's not good either. Hold on just a sec. So Chris, how would you handle that situation with a parent doing that? So this parent is basically saying, I pay for your college. So now if I need something, you need to help me. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's not a written rule anywhere. Um, so 
he can have that, you know, he can, he can feel that he should get that from his children, but you know, I don't, I don't know where it's, it's written that, you know, that a child has to reciprocate that way. I really don't. And so what I, you know, what I will even say to parents again, when they're thinking about college is, you know, your child might want to go to one of the best colleges that cost, you know, a lot of money, but, you know, take a look at, you know, why not send them to a state school, send them to a school where, you know, they'll also get a very, very good education. Um, and you won't spend a fortune of money. And so then you don't have to turn around and put this guilt on your children. Yeah. This I is mean, such an I, old art kind of it is patriarchal. Old, yes. You know, and it's interesting because my mother came from Poland and mm -hmm. she, she had that philosophy. You know, if I do this, then, you know, this is, you know, this is what I'm going to expect from you when, when you're an adult. And it's, it's terrible. It is really, really terrible um, to put that burden and to put then that guilt on children. You know, if you as a parent made the decision to spend that money, then that's your decision. Yes. You know, and, and don't strings. then take it and have, and have somebody else pay for that decision. Right. And have strings attached to it. That, exactly. That, that the child isn't even aware of because... You know, I, anyway, it's, it's fascinating how, how people function or dysfunction around money. It, it, it's just fascinating to me. It is, it is a topic that people don't want to talk about. Um, yeah. They, you know, they shy away from. A lot of it comes from embarrassment. A lot of it comes from shame. You know, and I think, you know, one of the reasons millennials today are a little more open to discussing their financial future and talking about money is because they don't want to be in the same position their parents are today. Mm. Because a lot of the baby boomers, you know, went through 2008, 2009 and lost a lot of money, lost mm. a lot of retirement savings, you know, had to cash in their retirement in order to be able to function and, you know, the kids are aware of that. And, you know, so they want, to, so a lot of them do want to work with money and learn how to deal with money and learn how to save because they don't want to be in that situation. I mean, people's biggest fear today is running out of money in retirement. We're not having enough money to retire, which is why people are working so much, you know, so many more years than the 65. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm loving that uh, I adore, well, I adore you, Chris, but I'm loving that your, you. your newest passion is to help these millennials get a good foundation so that their life can be more, uh, more expansive and fun than, than the previous generation. You know, exactly. And, you know, and I tell them, I said, if this is difficult for you to do, um, you know, tell me and we'll set up, you know, a phone call. I said, I can call you once a week. I'll call you once a month, you know, to check in, to just see, well, how are you doing? You know, I, I'll give you a very quick story. I have a, a client in New York who, um, who has retired and, you know, loves to spend money. And I call her every month to find out how her spending is going. And, really? you know, I give her, cre I give her credit for the fact that she picks up the phone, even if she spent money where she shouldn't have. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, my feeling is 
I'm there to help you. I'm not there just to, you know, help you move money around from one place to the other or decide what to do with your money because money is very psychological. Yeah. Very psychological. And, you know, a lot of times people need to have their hand held. And I get that. They need to have their hand held when they're going through making financial decisions. Yeah. And especially um, now, not, not millennials so much, but us older folk, because if we've gone mm-hmm. through some trauma drama around money, then, then the guilt right. or the shame or the, uh, you know, it, 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 it can make you not trust yourself. And I know that's so uh, working with women that have come out of divorce and they don't trust if they, if they married the idiot um, and, yeah. and find out that he's an idiot and they get divorced and their, their level of inner trust within their ability to make good choices is diminished. So especially around money, it just right. the trauma of it. So, and you that's know, a whole it, other it, conversation we can have. On it is, time. it is because, you know, people turn to experts for so many things in their life. You know, they'll go to an expert to get car insurance. They'll go to an expert to get homeowner's insurance. You know, they, they go to an expert to, to buy a computer or something happens to their, their phones. You know, but here it is, you know, they talk about money and they say, well, I'll, I'll do it myself. You know, I don't, I don't want to talk to anyone. Wow. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's, it's crazy. It, 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 you know, it's important to take a look at, you know, what your feelings are about money and how you look at money. You know, I, I mean, I have this, this sheet that I look at that, you know, has people being spenders, savers, hoarders, um, you know, and, and the list is, you know, like 10 things on, on the different ways that people look at money. Wow. They really do. Yeah. And, um, you know, so what's important is number one, to accept how you do it now and be open to hear other things. And I find that millennials are, they are open. They will listen. Um, so, you know, and, and, and I find that, you know, once one tells a friend, so then the friend, you know, wants to also have it done because, you know, they want to also be in a, in a position where they understand what money is, what it can do, and, you know, um, how they spend it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll work, I'll work with, 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 especially millennials that will say to me, um, you know, I have a lot of debt and I want to pay off my debt first. So my first question is, do you have any savings? And usually the answer is no, I don't care. I want to pay off my debt. So I say, them, I say okay, so you pay off your debt, you pay off your debt every month, and you're making progress. And maybe you've paid off half your debt and your car breaks down. Oh, yeah. What do you do? Yeah. You have no savings. You spent all your money paying off your debt. I said, so what do you do? So then your debt goes back up to twice what it was before. Yep. Whereas yep. if you had savings, you know, if you had every month saved a little, paid off some debt, saved, paid off some debt, you would be in a totally different position. That happened to totally my son. That exact position. same thing happened to my son. He was paying off a credit card and, right. and his car was breaking down. And I kept saying, you got to go take your car in. And he's like, but I don't have the money. I'm like, oh my goodness. Right. You know, just. It happens, you know, it, it, it's, it's that all or nothing mentality. Yeah. And not. That's and really not what it is. Of, and, and. Yeah. And, and it's, it's important, you know, like I said, I, I really teach people that you can do both. You don't have to sacrifice one for another. 
that, you know, we can live our lives. And, you know, the number one thing in all of this is it's important for people to know and truly accept what their goals are. What is it that you want out of life? What is the number one thing you want? So I work with, you know, young millennial couples, and very often the top of their list is to buy a house. Yeah. They want to buy a house. I said, okay, so based, so, you know, we'll go through the figures, you know, based on how much money you're making or this is how much you save, it'll take you this long to be able to put money down for a down payment. And if that's their true goal, then they will do it. But it's important for millennials to really specify what are my goals and to be true to them. Right. To honor themselves. Yes. To honor themselves. That, that's what comes first. Not the money. It's knowing what it is that you want out of your life. You know, do you want to just have a good time and don't care where your money goes? Well, that's one way to look at it. And so then come, you know, then on my part come the stories about, well, what will your life look like after you're finished partying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Or if something happens, what is that going to look like? Can you picture that? Um, but, you know, it all starts with making sure that you have a goal and then translate that goal into how you can make it financially work for you. So, Chris, our time is, is uh, short now, but I, I'm so loving this conversation. It's so juicy. And thank you for, for sharing all these ideas. And I love what you said earlier, that you are your greatest asset. I think that that's yes. primary, no yes. matter what age you are, to recognize that you are an asset and a gift in the world. And So, everybody, if you want to find out more of uh, what Chris does, the website to go to is www.pacificadvisors.com. That's P A C I F I C F I C A D V I S O R.com. And you backslash. S O R S. S on the end. My dyslexia. Backslash C Lapidus. L A P I D U S. And, um, and then you can contact Chris and, and ask her more questions that we didn't get to talk about yet. I think we're, I'm, I, I'm hearing another conversation, Chris, after the first <laughs> year, you and me here. On okay. Uh, let me know. Yeah, I will. And so everyone, I want to also tell you that um, if what I do, if you're, if you're going through financial uh, chaos, contact Chris, chances are part of that financial chaos is coming from uh, a lack of um, awareness within yourself that you are your greatest asset, right? And so right. I, I work with clients to develop their uh, feeling of self-empowerment. And I call it a journey that I intuitively craft for the individual client. And the journey uh, is about living a life, learning how to live a life of freedom, owning your own brilliance, your assets, and claiming your opulence. And uh, this is a journey that I have self-navigated and come through to have a very amazing life. So that's what I uh, work with clients for. And what we do is we remove the mental, emotional, and energetic blocks within ourselves and then tear down those inner barriers so that it you can have a deeper awareness of who you really are, what it is you really want, and that begins a healing and a shifting of your perspective so that you can build an inner foundation 
on self-love, self-esteem, and have an empowered life. So that's what I do. Um, thanks for joining us on Chats with Susan Burrell. And Chris, thanks so much for uh, just being the light and the uh, inspirational woman that you are. And thank you so much. It really was my pleasure. And I always love talking to you, Susan. <laughs> it's fun. It it's really fun. Warm, it warms my heart. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our chat for today. Thanks for joining me. And if you want to learn more, go to susanburrell.com. You can contact me through the website. There's blogs for you to read. There are videos to watch. And remember, I am an intuitive healer and spiritual guide at the crossroads of life. And I would be more than honored to help you on your journey to live an empowered life. And so it is. Namaste. Namaste.